Tencent continues its viral growth into gaming. And Biomutant finally receives a release date. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is a whale of sorts. Maybe so. Saul Saul Bridges. Bridges, Bringing you guys lucky episode 199. We are so ever close to that 200. You know what? If you've been listening since even like the first 25 episodes and you're still here today, a little mini applause to you because... Golf applause. Yeah, golf clap. There you go. If you can't see that, I wonder if that, like, if we wouldn't have said golf clap, what does that sound like to people who only listen, which is the vast majority of you? I don't know. But today, we're going to get into some stuff, of course. We cold open, we teased the uh, Biomutant release date, and of course, Tencent getting getting its little grubby claws into more and more in the gaming industry, which, you know, I've talked about my feelings on that enough, but hey, we'll do that some more today. But this show opens in a very specific way, and that way is a time-honored tradition of Saul. What have you done this week? What have you been up to? And I think... There's a good chance that me and you have switched roles this week, but actually, the more I think about us talking, I think we both might have ended up being a you for the week. A me? Yeah, a you. Hold on. For the past couple weeks, you've been the one not playing video games a lot. I mean, I've been playing like singular games. This is the first time that literally from a recording date to a recording date, my console has not been on besides to watch yeah, South Park. That is unusual. Um, so for this week, I played uh, more Ghost of Tsushima. And I'm fairly far into that game now. Um, I what, am, what part of the island? Okay, have you, have you broken to the third part yet? No, okay. I'm in the second part. Um, I did the quest to get the Sakai clan armor. Mm. And I have... I'm trying to think of it like it's not taking a break from the story, but I've decided like, oh, it's going to be fun to go and just take out Mongol territories that I can. Sure. So I've just been kind of doing that. Kind of doing the uh, Far Cry thing of like, I'm going to shirk all my responsibilities and just go clear outposts. Why did you compare that to Far Cry? Because now I see it. I hate it. Oh, yeah, dude. The, Ghost of Tsushima is basically Assassin's a, Creed. A, and a, 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 to me, it's a more of a perfected take on doing far cry in that genre than i think even assassin's creed has been recently yeah. personally damn you um i don't do but I, I will, sorry <laughs> i will say that that is that's that's all i've played this week in terms of video games um i, I that was on tuesday no it wasn't it was on monday it was on monday um because the rest of this week i have really just been having an itch to read. And if you follow us on Twitter over at twitter.com slash triangle SQRD, um, you would have saw that I put out type a, that in on your phone. Yeah. Type it on your phone. Uh, <laughs> go to your web browser on your phone, type that in. They want to ask you if you want to switch to the app for convenience. You say no. And then you stay mobile. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been having the itch to read. And so I put out a post on Twitter and, um, just a shout out to a couple of you guys because I asked everybody, you know, what are some good books to recommend? And Matt Green came through, Dennis, uh, aka Kevin Bacon Bits came through, Shafe Dog, um, Stefan Swanlin, Kurt Cheadle, uh, and of course the legendary Chris Figs. I said it right. Uh, you did. Uh, Blake Post, you know, Josh Shoop with Liam. Uh, you guys all came to recommend me books. 
And uh, I haven't had a chance to start any of those books at all because I was finishing up the third uh, book I was reading this week uh, when I posted that. And there's a couple of good stuff in there. Like there's there's some good recommendations in there that I'm going to read. Specifically, the one from Chris. His sounded really cool, and uh, the one that uh, Josh recommended me. And they explained to me that the um, it, it's a series, and it's called um, the Iron Tower Trilogy. And essentially, what they were explaining to me was is that it's a very heavy Tolkien styled or in, inspired book series. Um, and what Liam says is he says it's a good book. Author originally wrote a sequel to Lord of the Rings, but the LRT uh, R folk said no, no one touches me, precious. So the author basically wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but way better, and continued to write books based on that world. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, that is a good idea. I think that's so weird about the way that goes too, because I guess I know that it ultimately comes down to them and it's their thing, but it's almost one of those things where I. It, it's like the love and hate thing where I really appreciate that you give someone's uh, work credit and you give ownership to them and let them have some kind of allowance on it. But at the same time, I think once something's been around long enough, I like the idea of things going public or what do they even call it? Um, to where a good example is like Disney have just completely altered copyright laws by continuing to push them and getting them rewritten to where they can continue to own steamboat Willie where no one else can put it out. But either it finally did get, uh, get given up or they've gotten it's in legislation to potentially be pushed again. Cause they were nearing it again to where they were going to lose that to where anybody else could come and say, we're going to put steamboat Willie on DVD and then sell it. And we can undercut Disney's price and make a lot of money. There's an official term for that. It's called, um, it's free real estate. <laughs> free real estate it's free real estate um but that's the thing about yeah like lord of the rings is like that um well and it's pretty old the the only thing that comes down to that to me is like i feel at some point someone who is just really inspired by that and happens to do something why shouldn't they be able to come out with it and it just be kind of like they treat half of the star wars books these days which are it's just extended universe this is someone's take on this story that we're going to consider not canon but you can go and enjoy it and read it and then you have the, as your own reader, right, you have the ability to say whether or not you want to consider that canon. And as long as something doesn't come out to knock that out of canon, technically, it could be in your own head canon. Yeah, I, I think people just get too pretentious, I guess, about the the, can, uh, the canon and stories that they like so that they want to protect it because I get it. they may make something they don't agree with or something well, like that. And I think the reason is, is that you do get movies and stuff and you get people who end up being fans in the long run, that actually looks way better than I would have imagined. It does. That's, I was like, I'm sitting so, over here watching <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise, and that looks fun. It's like a grappling hook or some kind. And and I was like, my eyes went like, whoa. Like, that looks pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where when I, I think like Lord of the Rings in particular, right? I think a lot of people became fans of Lord of the Rings when movies opened them up to it as kids. And then they went and read the books after that. And then they get really protective of it. And a good example yeah. of that is I know we have friends that are pretty protective of the idea. I think if I'm not mistaken, Michael's uh, pretty purist when it comes to the Tolkien lore. And I'm pretty sure he didn't like shadow of war or shadow of Mordor. No, he likes those games. Uh, he didn't like the fact it was one of our friends. It might not have been him. One of them was like, I don't really like that. It has the ability to be, canon because that's me that's what the, i mean i know you said it too but i thought some one of our other friends have said it no that was it, it was me and i i, I mean just, you said it on the show yeah in the past uh maybe blaze it might have been blaze i don't know blaze typically he downloaded more uh shadow of war the other day for the first time i don't think he had a big problem with it 
I don't so know. I, don't know. I might be misremembering. I know that you've had problems. Well, with I like. It. I like. It's the, like you like the game, but you don't like that they wanted to cal- classify it as canon. Yeah, and and the only reason I don't like that is this is it doesn't circle back to what I just said about like being pretentious. It's just it opens up floodgates for stuff that you just don't really care to see or want to see or see directions that they go when, they, especially when it's tied directly into the main cast the main the main cast of the books and sure. and that's kind of what they did with a major character from Lord of the Rings and I'm not going to say which one but they didn't rewrite him but they changed something and I don't like that Star Wars could be cool because you could do it all in like these different universes and stuff like this and you could have these Sith lords that have no effect on the Skywalker story and kind of like they did with Darth Bane and stuff like that and it still be considered canon which it's not but it would be cool if it was now I think that when when somebody makes a story, and I've said this before in the past too, outside forces other than the creator shouldn't be able to change that story. Now they could add on to it, sure. Like they could, they could create like um, a lot of people could do cool, uh, do cool backstories for like especially book characters. They don't have backstories at all, and sometimes they work out fine, and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, that you just shrug. You're like, eh, um, it's whatever. But then if they try changing something about that story. You know, it's just like, well, you can take that creativity and make something yourself and base it in that. And that I wouldn't have an issue with that. And that sounds like what this story is. They well, they, they took a story and they kind of made it their own. Like a, a modern example of that, because I'm with you. I actually think that, like, okay, I assume the book that you were talking about that Liam gave example of, of like, Tolkien House said no. Yeah. Um, of course, I don't know what's in the book or what was in the sequel book that he was doing. But, you know, if it's just a sequel to the universe and less a sequel to the characters, then or it, it becomes a thing where I think it's easier to be like, well, why does it matter? You can still consider it part of this world. You can still consider it part of the Middle Earth thing, and it's part of that universe. But it's touching on things uh, in a sense that doesn't necessarily directly affect another character. It's kind of like how for a while the idea was like, well, if we ever make a, another Last of Us, it might be completely new characters. Right. Because it's like, well, that doesn't. It, that's fine. Because all you're doing is you have a world that you've built that it has ample ability, much like Infamous, to just choose a character, put them in some place that we've not seen and just watch their story unfold in that, in, in that isolated area and then kind of let it keep going. And you can sometimes see the effects of other things. Like you can reference other games and stuff in there as long as you don't take away from them. Cause I do think that's important. I think going back in to some degree and being like, Oh, I'm going to write a book that's a prequel to the Lord of the Rings, but it's a sequel to the Hobbit and it fits somewhere in the middle, which is, you know, <laughs> but be cool. Yeah, you can do that. But at the same time, you run the risk of having if you're using characters, you run the risk of completely changing characters and being inconsistent with them, which you also run the risk of when you write a, a sequel with new characters. I'll, it's a good example of why people didn't like Sly 4. They felt like there were some character in- inconsistencies with Penelope. But a, a modern example of how you can do these things right. I actually like that pop. But a, a good example of how you can do things correct, in my opinion, is like uh, Star Wars Rogue One we've had this open, not necessarily a plot hole, but we had this question of like, why did, how exactly did they have the exact thing they needed to know? Why is this here? What what is this? Why is there a big hole? Why do we know? And then you can come back later, way later and say, let's write around that. Let's make a movie and let's write around trying to actually solve the question of, but how did that end up happening? Incidentally, that's, I think what started Metal Gear Solid (laughs) five. When you think about how they explain, that's true. Yeah, who, who that is, but um, yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't. Problem is such a a different word. 
It is uh, a hard to use word in this situation because I don't want to. I don't want to like seem like I'm gatekeeping because I would never gatekeep something like that. I don't have a problem with it um, when when people decide to like change characters around and stuff like that. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not embarrassed, but in high school, I read Twilight books, all of them. And I thought they were pretty solid books, especially for that age group. And I would still say like, adults, yeah, yeah, go read those books. Um, or like, if you, like, if you have a, like a, a young adult in your household that likes reading Twilight is not honestly a bad book series. It's pretty good for that age group. Um, I've heard that from pretty much everyone who's read it. Like they were like, the movies are cheesy because it, it visualizes it in a way that, I, I've never heard anybody watch the movie and be like, that's what I imagined when reading the book. Twilight, yeah, that's now that is very true. Yeah, there, there are parts in those movies because me and my wife watch them every now and then just for fun because they're really Dude, fun movies. Hilarious. To watch. Yeah. I, I was cracking up the entire time I watched the first one. We did an episode of it on Midweek Matinee. Yeah. I could not stop laughing. And that, the movies are good in that stance, but um, we'll quickly get over this topic and get back on to gaming. But, um, Something cool that a lot of the fan base was saying um, around that time, and if you talk to somebody who liked that series, um, before the movies were coming out, it was always a rumor, and this happens with every big book series in the world. There's a rumor that, oh, did you hear that, um, I can't think of her name, the author was going... Stephanie Myers. Myers. Or or Meyer. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And it's always hard, because I I think of Stephanie Rice, who is the vampire... Yeah, the other one. Interview with Um, a vampire. um, You know, Queen of the Damned and whatever... But yeah, um, other vampire stories. But there was a rumor that they were going to make a um, a. Stephanie Rice is correct. It's Meyer that I think we're double checking. Um, but it would be really cool to have a book feature out Edward, especially because like you could make an argument that the and that has happened, are, right? Well. Yeah. There's a, there was a book that's like the first movie from Edward's perspective, or the first movie, the first book no, from Edward's perspective. That's what everybody thought was going to happen. Well, and something came out that Jess was talking about. That's it's the first it's the first book, but they're swapped. Edward is the 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 the, the pale human, and and Bella's the vampire. Where we thought we were going to get a story about like this is how Edward lives his life, and in a prequel to Edward's story. Oh. Here we are talking and gushing about Twilight. This is now like where Bella is the is the fine uh, vampire mama, like from Resident Evil Eight, and then there's Edward, who's like the normal human that you know they fall in love. So, and stuff like that. And Rice, I knew I knew Rice. Anne I was like, Rice. what am I thinking? I like, that, that, man, we just combined the names. We did, yeah. But uh, back off of Twilight and books. What have you been doing this week? I don't know if I even mentioned it last week, but I'm remodeling my game room finally. I, de- I decided that I was going to try and do this all myself. I had a built-in um, bookcase from forever ago in my very old house. This house is built in 26. Um, that bookcase was put in when this addition was put on. This used to be a porch, and they covered it. Right. And that was in like the late 40s, early 50s. So that bookcase has been there since the 50s. And I decided to take it out, rebuild one to fit into the space that was there. And move everything off of my desk that I have. Nobody's really seen the game room, at least from the angle that I would see it at. The game room used to be our studio. <laughs> it yeah. used to be what we recorded uh, the Did video in. Go back and look at like the first uh, like 40 videos, I think. And like, I'd say we, like the first 90 episodes. Is it 90? I was going to say up to 100, but like I couldn't remember if that sounded right. But um, go look at our backdrop, because that's what we're talking about. The backdrop yeah. with the figures is what he has been remodeled. Yeah, so I've completely redone that. And I, it, the point of it was that to get some room back into my game room. It's not a very big room, nor is the studio, to be honest. Um, I mean, they're big enough for what we do. That's yeah. Nice. But 
I was trying to reorient it to where instead of it being kind of like it's it's almost like a big rectangle, so it's more long from the doorway entry than it is wide. So I'm trying to flip that to where I'm using the less uh, distant side to kind of reorient it to where I'm sitting on a couch and can be against the wall and then see the TV. And I decided to completely change all that. I'm getting rid of my desk. I am uh, getting couches in there, which I've never had in there. I am putting coffee table in there, basically making it like a second living room because this is basically my living area. This is where I spend most of my time. So uh, I've decided to redo it, and I am very happy with how it's turned out. I did it all myself. Um, had to give myself a little pat on the back because, to be honest, I went into it thinking I'm going to try this on my own, put a couple hundred dollars in it, and if I do okay on my own, then great. If I completely mess up, I can just pay somebody else to come and do it right. And I I can safely say I don't have to pay anybody else. It's basically done. I posted a picture in the, the Discord. I've got to move a plug into the studio side of uh, the building. And then I've got to uh, finish the wall up with a trim that goes to where that plug is going to be covered. But other than that, today after we get done recording, it's moving everything out of there so I can turn my system on and play it. Because the only thing I've done so far is that for some reason LG's um, WebOS or whatever it's called doesn't have HBO Max yet, just like everything else didn't have HBO Max. Uh, there was Roku and some other smart platform that didn't have it. Um, and so far, I have it on PlayStation 5. So I've been using the PlayStation 5 as a means to, while I'm doing construction, while the TV was still over there, watch South Park while I was doing construction. What was cool, and something I'm just I'm curious if a lot of people don't know, modern TVs for a long time now uh, have had what's called HDMI control. And PlayStation supports HDMI control to the point where if I turn my TV on, it turns my PlayStation 5 on so long as I turned my TV off under the same HDMI that the PlayStation's on. So if I turn it on, HDMI 1 is my PS5, and I left it on that, it turns on, and it turns my PlayStation on. Further, you can actually control the PlayStation with a TV remote, so I didn't have to use my controller at all. I do it all from the remote. You can pause, forward, back, navigate the whole system with your TV remote. That has been a feature I have used since PS3. Yeah. On even cheap TVs at the time, probably the nicest TV I'd ever had back then was a 3D Vizio 32-inch that was like $450. Um, And I've used that forever. PS3 has had the feature to turn your system on and uh, use the remote for so long. So that was surprising to me because I was talking to Chris and Blake about it and complaining that Xbox doesn't have it because I always forget, like if I turn my Xbox on, it doesn't turn my TV on and switch it to that HDMI. If I go to my TV and hit the HDMI for Xbox one, it doesn't turn my system on. So it ends up being a thing where I forget because I'm so used to it and it annoys me. And Chris was like, I did not know this was a thing. And am, am I the only person that realized that this was a thing? I know that's not the case, but I have a question for the to the for the listenership and viewership. Do you even know what I'm talking about? And if so, have you used it? And if not, why? Use it. It's fantastic. If you use your PlayStation 5 as a media device at all, it's fantastic. But even just for gaming, coming in and just hitting the PlayStation button on my DualShock 5 and then going and grabbing a drink or something and then it turning my TV and everything on for me is wonderful. I think if you don't have what you're talking about, I think Arc HDMI will do the same, won't it? I don't know. Isn't Arc the one that bounces down to um, like your receivers that you can have like multiple things plugged into, like sound systems and uh, uh, yeah, different that, media? I, I think that, but the way it works on mine is that I have one 2.1 uh, HDMI port on my TV. 
Um, not that I really need a second one, I don't guess, but that one is arc. And I can, I figured this out like two weeks ago, something like that, where like I grabbed my PlayStation five controller off the charger. And as I grabbed it, I was hitting the button to go ahead and just turn it on at the same time. And it turned my TV on. I'm like, that shouldn't be arc. Your TV supports smart HDMI. Okay. So does your system. So uh, my assumption for certain people is that they're just so used to turning their TV on and system on at the same time that they don't realize it's there or, See, my PS5, it could have just been it moved my PS4 settings. I don't know. I didn't turn that setting on on my PS4, on my PS5. It was automatically on. You can go turn it off if you really don't want it. Yeah. Uh, oh. I think it's called HDMI control if and you go into your settings. You can. I did this yesterday. You can go into your settings on your PS5 and turn your mic to mute as default when the system is on. Yes, I didn't know that. Okay. Um I didn't know if you found out about that since the last time we talked about that. The only game it catches me on is Destiny 2. It's gonna catch me on everything. It's gonna catch me on everything. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't care if it's mic support or not. If if I if I be lenient with it on everything, I'm gonna be lenient with it on the games where it doesn't matter, or it does matter. Yeah, it's true. You play much more online than I do, I think, as well. So speaking not of lately. which, I need to hop into Destiny too and see what's going on there. <laughs> when does the new season start? I don't know. I saw that they were talking about it the other day, but. We'll definitely see what comes from there. Anyway, yeah, I watched South Park and got done with that. I will post a picture to social media so everyone else can see it if you're interested. Uh, probably will wait to post a picture to where I can do a from the area that you can see where I'm sitting and then from the sitting to you can see the wall and stuff. But I'm quite proud of myself. I think it looks really good. And honestly, I think it looks way more upper class than the rest of my house is the only problem I have with it. Like, not in a bad way, but I'm like, damn, I'm, I indirectly made one of the most back regions, like regions of my house that you don't get to unless you open a door, probably the nicest part of my whole house in a lot of ways. By the time I'm done with the couches and the ceramic top coffee table, it's going to look way nicer than the rest of the stuff I own. Well, you could just do like a, like a, a, a board and board up your kitchen and just have people come in through. This is now your front door. <laughs> so have people come through and like, this is the whole house. <laughs> It could, like, it. it could be like a house of leaves situation where we bring uh, it back. Uh, we bring it back. Book talk. Huh? We are. Um, and that, in that story, there is, there's a cat or a closet in the house that shouldn't be able to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that it's on the edge of the house and it's like you open the door in their space, but it's like, that's against the wall that's on the outside. So that shouldn't, like, it'd be like this closet right here existing when there's nothing on the outside wall. Um, so how do you know there is, I've been in there. That's where our Christmas tree is. How do you know that's not the outside of the house? Because I've stood right right there <laughs> on the on the on the opposite side of the wall. You uh, cut down a tree outside that wall. I did. I mean, I, I, if you uh, saw April Fool's joke video, you would have seen it. Um, Good times. But yeah, then just ex- just explain that your whole house just doesn't exist. Oh well, like there's the front porch. No, that doesn't exist. You just <laughs> think it does. Well, onto the community. Isn't that discarde? Isn't that you, you only exist if you think you exist? Technically. Because if you if you don't if you stop thinking about your own existence, then you cease to have meaning to exist. No, like what? What's more? Am I am I simple? Am I oversimplifying Descartes? Or well, however you say his name. It's uh my favorite thing, and I actually watched. I was telling Brett this. I watched Tenet yesterday, and uh, it actually brought up one of my favorite concepts to think about, and that's the grandfather paradox. Do you know what that is? That's the one about when you go back in time and. I mean, am I wrong on that? If is you it, go back in time and kill your grandfather, that you cease to exist. We don't know. 
or do you cease to yeah, exist? Yeah, it's, it's like, can you go back in time and kill your grandfather? Because if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, you weren't alive to make the decision. If to time go back is linear, time. then yes, you can. Yeah. You couldn't have existed to go back in time, to which means the choice. death could have never happened. So it suddenly cancels itself it, out. Yeah, it's a true paradox. Yeah, it is a true paradox. Uh, this is a games podcast, though, and I guess we'll go ahead and get into the community's take that Everybody we gave you know last that, like, week. The first twenty minutes of this, thirty minutes of this, is always off topic for the slightest bit. It really is. It normally ends up being game related because we normally play games. That's but this I, week has been so little. That's why I'm just going to stop apologizing for that because we'll just we'll just we'll make. Oh, it I'm not shift. apologizing. We'll just make it shift that way. Yeah, we're just shifting back. Just like in you the can games. see my dirty feet. Yeah. If you only knew, if you guys knew what Saul does with his feet under this tabletop, you're giving people bonus right now. I don't like it. <laughs> Oh, okay. The community's take this week was kind of based off what we talked about last week of companies doing things that suddenly kind of make you question them. This was kind of off the back of, um, or, you know, give them backlash or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was based off of Xbox kind of swiftly changing their price and then undoing that price change all within less than 24 hours, realistically like 12 hours. So, Question was simple. Name one action that has happened or would happen that would make you give backlash to a gaming company you love. And Saul wanted to specify that you love because yes. it means more when you suddenly are willing to give flack to a company that you do love. And I feel like that's something we try and do on this podcast. If we have a problem with PlayStation or really anybody, you just go, hey, why are you doing that? I still, I mean, I like your product and I enjoy being able to use it, but at the same time, it's crap together. So uh, I told that you can share an example from the past or something you hope doesn't happen in the future, just to further clarify. And we got some interesting ones. One of the ones I expected to see plenty of and just got a lot of I agrees to is Sony's new slash old censorship policy. Yeah. And we've continued to talk about the censorship policy for quite some time. Um, it It's a problem. And I think that ultimately, in my opinion, I think it hurts PlayStation. Uh, and I think it hurts people who have grown accustomed to PlayStation being a place to play without that barrier. I always felt like when it happened, I didn't see the change that to me made sense to lead to this policy. And yet we're still here. I think the bigger complaint that I have about it is that Sony has never really been entirely upfront with it. Yeah. I think it's almost always been lurking and, and just shrouded in a heavy layer of BS and depends on the game and depends on the studio and what they're wanting to do and whether it's their game, whether it's someone else's game, if it's a game that's theirs that they know is going to do well regardless and the developer says, yeah, I want to do this, and they're like, okay, but if you're a little weird Japanese game that only sells like you know 50,000 copies, which may be more than enough to recoup development costs, Sony's like, eh, you can't have jiggly boobs. There's no transparency on <laughs> what they pick. I, I feel like there's no consistency either. I think that's the big problem I have with it. The that's fact true. that you can see very graphic sex scenes in a lot of ways and uncomfortable moments throughout The Last of Us 2, but then you can't see uh, a girl's boobs jiggle in like scantily clad bikini and dead or alive. What's Honestly, it comes down to what's the difference in, in a lot of ways. It just... You know, as long as the game, I, I understand some level of, hey, this isn't what it should be. But at the same time, I think the whole point about good stories is that good stories brush up on uncom un uncomfortable things all the time, like child 
you know, child rape and stuff like that. I mean, there's actually a whole point within and in eating people too, but there's a whole point in the original, the last of us where there's definitely the feeling that Ellie is going to have something unsavory happen to her yeah, in a certain spot. And that's, uncomfortable but that's what the game's trying to do it's trying to be like hey in this crazy version of the world that doesn't have any kind of real you know control over anything people are just left to do what they want to do i just find it weird i think it ends up more often than not you gimp the potentials for story to use interesting real world aspects in a way to make you further dive into what's going on in this world and sympathize with your characters i guess that's the best way for me to say it so weird uh, Saul, you want to grab one off of Twitter? Sure. Uh, our good buddy, longtime good buddy, Sean Neo. he says, I really don't like it when Studios tries making a spiritual successor but thinks it's okay just to only, uh, with only just half of the content compared to the original. And then he lists off some examples. So we have Agents of Mayhem, which would obviously be a spiritual successor to Saints Row. Mm-hmm. Uh, EA Battlefront, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, just like the uh, original Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, Twisted Metal for the PS3. And then, of course, uh, Dangerous Driving, which came from the guys at Burnout, which I didn't know existed or cared. All right, Sean, one knee. I have one problem here with you. He's going to hit you with Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal on PS3 is fantastic. Told game. you. You did. But it is a fantastic game. I understand that not every character had a story, but the stories that we got from the three were much more involved. And I would honestly prefer a more shallow number of stories that are more in depth than a bunch of mainly mediocre, meaningless stories. Every twisted metal game prior to this had a couple of really interesting stories. And then the rest were almost just there to give you a reason to keep playing the game, but you could still do that here. And also twisted metals multiplayer on PS3 was probably some of the best I've ever played. I love that game and I'm so sad that it didn't do well. Sad story of a lot of games that came back for the first time on PS3. Sly 4 did not do well at all either. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, over on Twitter as well, Dennis, aka Kevin Bacon Bits, he said, "Another one of our patrons. You guys are so kind. You are. You all are. I can't speak today. Uh, making a multiplayer game pay to win. Call of Duty has done it in the past when they had loot boxes where the best guns could be in them, making it so that only whales who could afford one thousand plus dollars on a game get the best weapons and items is wrong, in my opinion." What is whales here? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm like. Money whales? Dennis. Dennis, help me out here. Is this a typo or is this a new thing I can throw out at people? I, hey, I'm, I'm looking for new insults if I can. There's nothing like a good, interesting insult. If we can introduce whales into our area, I'll do so. I just need to know what I'm talking about here. We can make narwhals. Um, another one on Twitter that I really wholeheartedly agree with uh, is Irish Joe. He says, drastically overpriced DLC. DLC that's not a big expansion. Something like, he says Skyrim and their $20 horse armor, but he means Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah, Oblivion is infamous with their $20 horse armor. And then he says, or EA and most of their stuff, but definitely their Sims DLC. Holy crap, dude. They have like 60 different DLCs, and most of them are the same price as the game. It is insanity. I did not know that. And the, the crazy thing about it is, is that... Um Maxis, I think, was the original developer of that. I think has since been closed down. They might have reopened them or left a very small uh, thing. But, you know, they kind of killed that developer off. Uh, Maxis, yes. Let me see if they are defunct as I thought or what they chose to do. But they severely gimped them, and I don't think that they're actually doing anything anymore um, besides kind of like 
porting the game. Their Emeryville studio was closed in 2015 of March, uh, moving the other one over. So they severely have kind of hit that. But I think it's one of those things where I don't know why, but Sims didn't perform as they anticipated for some reason. So they're kind of doing the rock band thing where it's like, we're going to give you new content, but it's all going to be a little more expensive than it should. Yeah. And that's cool because it's like, well, I still like the game and I want to support it. And if I keep buying this DLC to have more fun with the game, maybe they'll come back around to making another game sooner. But I feel like it's such a weirdly almost predatory take on the idea that I find it odd. It's just, it, but I noticed that too because I have a lot of friends who really like Sims 4. And I was going through and looking at a lot of the Sims 4 DLC and I couldn't believe it. I was like, this $60 DLC, like, dude. Like the Witcher Blood and Wine is like twenty to thirty hours of gameplay for like twenty bucks. Yeah. And it's like a full on story. I find it so weird. Like I'll give like for as much as Oblivion hit with twenty dollar horse armor, which was so dumb, and then even In a time that it was like that was unheard of. Yeah, that you didn't do that back then. And then following up with a pretty and this is weird because it actually adversely affected Xbox users with the first DLC uh, expansion being the Knights of the... Knights of the Nine? Nine. No. What is that called? It wasn't Knights of Nine. It was, was something it of the Nine. Was it Knights of the Nine? I think it might have been. Yeah, Knights of the Nine. It doesn't sound right. Knights of the Nine. Okay, that doesn't sound right at all. That was... Uh, and a, a dumb expansion. it was really short it didn't add anything to the game it was all taking place in the same place you'd already been it did give you new armor but it was so quick and, and, there, and it was, was a, included free on the ps3 version of the game there was a hefty requirement for that armor too and that's that you couldn't have ever committed a crime and you had if you did commit a crime you had to go walk the pilgrimage again and pray to all like 11 shrines <laughs> but the the cool thing is that they followed it up with one of the best DLCs I think that's ever been in a game personally yeah, with uh, Shivering Isles. So you get in this point where Shivering Isles is a fantastic value. It was a new world, quite a bit of new story content, seeing things that you hadn't seen, um, meeting Shigorath, all, all that was really cool. That's his name, right? Yeah, Shigorath. Yeah, just like and his voice actor too. Yeah, was so well done. Yeah. So and then I also think that they did a really good job with pricing things better on Skyrim with like Hearthstone being I think $10 max and being very Minecraft inspired and I like that because you can tell the game wasn't built with that in mind it was more of like a oh Minecraft's hitting this is really cool we could go back and work this in well, but the more normal DLC like uh, Dragonborn and um, Dawnguard. Dawnguard I think we're both 20 or $30 and I think that's mu- that's a reasonable price for a decent expansion. I, th- I think that they learned uh, and they they had a very kind of a short package DLC and that was heart 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 home and I keep wanting to say heartstone heart, I, I said heartstone did you yeah I did uh and that's that's kind of like Knights of the Nine and then they had Dragonborn <laughs> and then Dawnguard and those were both very expansive Dragonborn Hearthfire was what it's called by the way was it yeah fire Hearthfire oh I thought it was home uh, you could adopt kids and stuff. And make your own I've homes. never played. I've never done it. I never have either. <laughs> I've um, never played any of the Skyrim DLC. But Funny. speaking of games that are or or things in gaming that are overpriced with little content, Dylan Kirby hits us with Ground Zeroes, which <laughs> I personally love. But Saul, Saul do you want to tell the story? No, no, no. We're not going to tell that story. Maybe on one day. I need you to. Maybe though. on our 200. If we do that stream we're talking about where we get like eat pizza and play Bloodborne or something on 200. We will. And that, that's stream, next I'll week. T- I'll tell the story. Um, Listen, you guys need to hear this story. It's fantastic. But 
Yeah, if that game was $10, here's how I think they should have handled Ground Zeroes. It should have been $9.99. And you should have got it for free if you pre-ordered the game. I think those two, those two instances would have been perfect. Because uh, you could beat it in about five hours. You can beat it quicker than that. And Can you? I, you don't remember that I was sick one day. I woke up finally. I was still feeling bad at like 3 o'clock, and I had it beaten by 5 o'clock. It took oh, like two hours. Well, Now, I didn't beat every single thing. But I did a couple of side things. And I think every single thing like 10 hours total for everything. Um, but I think that they could have definitely released that into uh, two hours yeah. into better. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it's made a, I only played that game once just because of the nature of it. Um, no, I played it twice. It's just been a long time because I, I played it once originally on Xbox. And then I want to say PS Plus, it was free one month. And it was right around the time that Metal Gear Solid 5 was coming out. Yeah. Uh, the last response over on Twitter is our good buddy, Jehudi. He says, I hope Bioware doesn't shut down due to drastic mistakes in developing the new Dragon Age or Mass Effect. I can't understand a company that does not build on its past achievements and pivots away so hard and they are not recognizable anymore. You know what's weird about this is I know that uh, Jehudi enjoys Anthem. And so did I. And it's weird that probably the thing I've liked from them the most in the last few years is the thing that's quite a bit different from them. But it doesn't help when it was plagued with issues too. I think if Anthem came out, depending on how Anthem 2.0 comes, right? Or Anthem Next, whatever they're calling it. Depending on what it comes out as, you get to this idea of like, if Anthem would have launched in this exact state, still being quite a bit different for this developer, I think it could have worked for them. But because Andromeda was a disappointment... And then Anthem launched as a very different game for them, as well as being considerably broken, depending on who you are. You could get lucky and not have very many problems. But I think that, that was that's the big thing about them right now, is it's just a series of weird events. I think that Mass Effect 3 was a weird drop for them, but most people at least still enjoyed that game. And then they had a strong comeback with a lot of people really loving Inquisition. And then Andromeda... It's like a roller coaster. I didn't with think Inquisition was good. I love to. Oh, oh, you are you're one of the weird fans in the in regards to most people who like Dragon Age did not like two. What? Yeah, two was considered like the bastard child because it was a completely different game. It was all real time action, very fast paced, not very RPG. Okay, heavy. Yeah, I must be thinking of Dragon Age one then. What yeah. was the Awakening? Origins Awakening. Awakening was like a DLC or re-release or something. That's Dragon Age Origins, the first game. Hold on. It's Awakening is what I'm thinking of. I just thought Dragon yeah, Age, Dragon Age Origins, Origins Awakening. Awakening. It's an expansion, and if you bought the game with whatever version that was, it had the Awakening DLC in it. So this is one? Yes. Okay, then I am thinking of one. And Inquisition is much more like one than two was. I did not like Inquisition. Two was, it, two was bad. I got Inquisition for, I think, like... Three ninety nine or something. I got it for a stupid low price on sale. I didn't like it either. On a, it's been like it's not, it's been like a year ago. It looks fantastic on PC. No. Oh, I thought about it on PlayStation. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, no, no. It looks fantastic on PC, but I still didn't care for the game. Yeah, I mean, one day maybe like when I'm really really bored and I want to go back, but I knew something was automatically stupid about this game when I hit download and I was seeing armor sets downloading with the game. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know that, what this is. That's a fairly common thing these days, though. To be honest, as unfortunate as that is, but I at least. It it comes with the game and you don't have to buy them. It still feels odd, but it's better than having to be like, hey, buy these little things that were already released with the game. It's stuff like that that it's like, this stuff could have been in the game, yeah. but this is content that they scaled. That's when it's bad. Yeah. I'm going to pull one off of Facebook uh, and then I'm going to pull 
at least one more off before, of Discord. Before you pull off one off of Facebook, I'm going to pull a quick one off of Discord just because it's very similar to what we just talked about. And that is our good buddy, Sean. And he says, I was pretty annoyed with Konami. Well, it was really down to Kojima when they changed Snake's voice actor from David Hayter to Kiefer Sutherland. And of course, for those that don't know, they did that in Ground Zeroes and then, of course, Five. He says his iconic voice was lost to just sound like Jack Bauer, and it was one of the first of many letdowns I had with Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, you're right. I did not like. I didn't care. Okay, like this is this is it. I didn't care that they changed his voice because at least it still sounded okay. If it would have sounded bad, I would have cared. But I don't care about it as much as I did after realizing why. It still doesn't exactly make sense. Well, because they still have the character that you play as be voiced by David Hayter in the past. That's the that, that's no, really no, well. No, okay, technically. There's there's two things. There's one thing. Ground it, Zeroes and Five together. There's a couple of things going on here. Well, there's there's a, there is a theory that Ground Zeroes never happened, and it was all a hallucination by Psycho Mantis, which that's wild and crazy. But his voice was the same in Ground Zeroes, which would have been Big Boss. That's that's where the inconsistency and comes to me. There is Big Boss in the very beginning of the game as well. Yes, who helps you, and that is also the same voice. So I don't. That's the inconsistency. That's yeah, what I mean, I don't like that. Yeah. So for if me, you wanted to run it off as to the actual five thing, then fine. Yeah. Now, if if it was all Venom Snake the entire time, then I have no issue with it, not even a single bit. But also, there are times that I have issues with David Hayter, and I think that every now and then people like him. Or people, or the way he acts sometimes, he deserves a little bit of just desserts, just nothing like that, because that's rough. I think, if I'm being honest, and I, it might be kind of getting at the point of what he's doing too, I think the problem here is that I like Kojima, clearly, and but as we've seen from Kojima here lately, starting with Ground Zeroes, is it seemed like Kojima's thing started being that he... And again, this is uh, perception, not so much ex- the truth. But I think, but I know I think it's easy to perceive that suddenly he only wanted to be working with big time actors, and it became this thing of like, uh, that's why when I go to do Death Stranding, I'm going to have Guillermo del Toro, who's not a big actor, but he's big in film. And it started to be like, oh, I'm above easy to perceive i'm above all these video game actors i'm going to start trying to get keith or so keith or sutherland who's a real actor i'm going to get um uh norman reedus and i want to get mads mickelson and don't be wrong troy baker all of that is great troy baker i think is the one interesting example but he's also gotten to a point where i think he's like him and nolan north are like the almost the epitome of video game voice actors where if you're going to work with a video game voice actor at least let it be one of those two no. if you're, hold on if you're worried about Star power. I don't. They shouldn't care about star power. They oh, I know. Care about I know. But Kojima, right now, from everything he's doing, it's easy to imagine him being somewhat taken by the idea of star power because he wants to feel like he's working on. And I think it's because he wants to transitions in the movies eventually. I actually would just at this point, I just want to see Kojima, Kojima just say, "I'm making a movie." Well, he, well, he's always cared heavily about cinema. From the get-go. That's why sure. Snake is based off of who he's based off of. Yeah, um, which is even more funny. Snake Plissken. Yeah. What's the actor's name, though? Oh, um, Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Um, and it's clear that he's always wanted to, like, or he always has taken uh, Easter eggs from these games and put them uh, and, and injected stuff from movies into them. Yep. So I think that him getting to work with that is just... Specifically with him as the weird voice actor. It's like they could have done him as the bad guy. And kept uh, David Hayter. Oh yeah, but again, I think I think he saw an opportunity, and I'm not saying this as anything bad, but I think that he knew what he was wanting, and I do think that there's some some of Metal Gear Solid 
excuse me, some of Metal Gear Solid Five's development problems did come down to specifically Kojima and what he wanted to do. Now, of course, Konami didn't help any of that. I wonder. I often wonder if it's like, uh, like you could definitely relate to this, and I'm not going to say why or what. But when, like, let's say uh, you've been working with a company for X amount of years, and then the company does something that annoys you, it's just like, well, they're going to get my bare minimum kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I would bet that Kojima had that kind of mentality going on with it. Wouldn't surprise me because that's how most everybody is. Like, like you know, anybody who's ever worked with someone in in partner or even in a uh, professional relationship like that if they get the brute end of things and it's just like oh so this is how this really is you're just sure. like well they're going to get my 10 percent. yeah yeah but to finish up that i think that the only thing is is that i think kojima was in a unique position where every Metal Gear solid title seemed to push him further and further into the public limelight for the gaming community that he had an opportunity he saw with five to be like i can probably push and actually get uh, gaming is growing. Uh, the budget for this game is going to be bigger. I can probably push and get big-time actors on this, and I'm going to take that opportunity. Yeah, you're right. Every now and then, David Hayter can seem, I don't want to say childish, but he can seem like he's entitled. Smug. Uh, yeah, smug and entitled. And that's unfortunate. I still think that whenever I think of Snake, when you've been doing this for so long, Snake is David Hayter to me. Uh, I mean, you're from a wrong. voice perspective. And that's just one of those things. Like, you can shake things up. I even talked about how at the end of Final Fantasy VII, I shouldn't say this. I'm not going to say this. <laughs> yeah, don't, spo- <laughs> don't, don't spoil that. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a voice actor change from a character that I love that when it happened, I said, no, nah, I don't like this. You could do, uh, you can get him to cameo you for only $75. Yeah, you can. But we're going to move off into one from Facebook real quick. Uh, thank you guys for sending these in. I thought this one was just going to be a fun one because it's, you I know, a lot of times ones. we don't get people complaining too often about I, things. I, I and this it. is fun because this is like a requested complaint. Like, I want to hear you complain about something. I love hearing people complain about something like this. That's why I love these as community takes. Uh, Josh Farmier says, or Farmier, I don't know how you say your name, buddy. Sorry. He says, all companies deserve backlash if they screw up. But in the end, I believe the people that will say, quote, I'm never buying a blank again are liars. Everyone makes mistakes. And yes, while CDPR screwed up once, they are fixing it right away. The only time, the only other time a company got me a little riled was Microsoft buying Bethesda. I'm a big fan of Elder Scrolls and Fallout. I have a feeling they won't make those games exclusive, though. They would be really stupid if they did. Um, that's that's a very common sentiment, and I think it's it it's, depends on where you land. As a gamer who feels like there is such a big market, and that Skyrim sold more than like the like I think Skyrim sold more copies than a single one of either the PlayStation Three or Three Hundred and Sixty sold. Yeah, but when you start looking at that, it's like clearly there's a big market. So it would be dumb for potential for the game itself on a strict dollar amount. For it, them to go exclusive with it. When we know it's had a big multi-platform success and the expectation of multi-platform. But on the other hand, as a business, it would be dumb to an extent, depending on what you're viewing, it would be dumb for what we know Microsoft is trying to do, which is trying to bolster Game Pass with very high-quality games that they are doing in-house so they're not having to pay any kind of a fee. So if you think about that, those titles going exclusive actually makes the most business sense to what Microsoft's doing. But if you're also, on the other hand, and you're looking at Microsoft putting that kind of $7 billion investment into something, you stop and go, well, if they put it on as many systems as possible, they pay off or they, they get a return of investment much sooner. So there's it's a multi-layered thing. Um, 
I think there's a mix, though. Going back to your first thing of people who say, I'm never buying a blank again are liars. I think sometimes that's true. I think that a lot of people speak bold statements like that quickly, and they go, I'm never buying a PlayStation again because of their censorship. Um, and then, or I'm never buying an Xbox again because of the Red Ring of Death. Clearly, there are people who have went and bought more PlayStation stuff or continued to support PlayStation in some way or fashion. Clearly, there are people who ended up getting an Xbox One, even if it was eventually a One X or an Xbox Series X. It happens eventually for a lot of people. But I think I think it's one of those things where liars is just such a strong word because you're technically right. Saying you're never going to buy something again is a, is a heavy statement. It is. That's why, and this is how I say this 99% of the time when we talk about voting with wallets, and I said this, I think, last episode or the episode before the last episode, because I wasn't on that one, um, where I said it's always smart to vote with your wallets. And I would say this kind of way, too, is like um, it just may not be the time to support them right now. And one of my one of my in real life personal experiences with this is with Google. I love Google. I love their ecosystem. I love everything about their ecosystem. But I had a bad experience with their phone. So. And I've always said for the time, like I won't buy a Google Pixel phone until they do something better with these phones because I had a problem with mine that was that plagued an entire user base, and they they went from oh well we're just going to go ahead and fix these for warranty because this is a problem to no use your phone in safe mode for two weeks and uninstall all the apps, and it's like I bought this phone out of pocket at launch for like twelve hundred dollars or whatever it costed eight hundred from the two XL was eight hundred seven ninety nine are you sure? Almost positive. If not, it was eight ninety nine. But I remember it being a pretty penny. The, the thing that comes down is that you're thinking back to that, and you're so used to phones that throughout these last two two and a half years being a thousand dollars. That might be what it yeah. was. But and I bought it directly from the Google store, and it's fixed. It, it has this problem that all these phones have, and it won't be. It won't get fixed. But they could come out with a new phone, and and I will. Seven forty, not wait, no. You if you got the bigger gigabyte version, it was. Um, Eight forty nine. Yeah, it was eight forty nine. No, it was nine forty nine. If you got the bigger one. Oh my bad. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get the nine forty nine. You got the eight forty nine. That's what it was. Yeah, so it was I got the eight forty nine with tax nine hundred dollars. Um, but here's the thing: just because I have a bad experience with the company doesn't necessarily mean I'll swear off of that product entirely. What'll happen is, and I just did this with Samsung, where I will be more lenient to them in the future. And then I'll give them a second chance. And if they fail that second chance, then they're done. I will never in my life own a Samsung phone again because of the last phone, the last experience I had with Note 9. Um, I, there are certain restaurants and places around here and out and broad where I refuse to go back to just because of something that happened. And I will keep those refuses, like, unless I am with a group of people. Well, it's a person-by-person basis, too. What do you mean? I, I, I mean, like, some people will say what they mean and then legit mean it. I mean, you're also pretty young, so by the time you're 90, you could have a complete turn of how you feel about well, and that's Applebee's, why, for example. No, I won't. <laughs> I mean, it seems unlikely, but my point no, being is that technically speaking, the opportunity exists. But I know that you go into it meaning it more than some people. Like, I I think the big examples of it's like the worst of what he's talking about are people that trade a game in and say, I will... Cyberpunk is going to be a huge example of this, I feel like. I think a lot of people will be like, I'm not buying Cyberpunk ever again. I'm not supporting CD Projekt Red ever again. And then they'll buy it when the and new then, patch comes and, out. And then eight months from now, whenever or whatever it ends up being, when the next-gen version comes out and it's getting rave reviews and all the bugs are gone, if that does happen, they'll be the first in line to go get it. I'm already criticizing them for that taking that long to get the patch out. The next-gen version? Yeah. 
I mean, when you're long. focused on getting the last gen versions, I think right now if they, they should have been a last gen version, and they should have been. I fixed agree with that. Launch. I agree with that as well. But I mean, right now, if, if you only have so many resources, what do you do between the two? Not launch a game in broken state. <laughs> And then uh, they could try and pay someone else to handle the next gen version, like oh, they're they doing could. with The Witcher Three, because Saber Interactive is handling The Witcher Three for next gen. I'm excited for that too. Yeah, they're the same people that handle it for Switch. They did a good job on Switch. Yeah. The fact that that game can run out of handheld and run smoothly—it may not look the prettiest, but it can run smoothly. The audio That's, sounds terrible, but they, you do no, so much think, audio no, that you have to compress. I think it got fixed. I hope I, so. I think I think I remember reading that. Not that I'd ever played on Switch because that's a well. Because all you'd have to do is have it to where the game updates with the non-compressed audio like we're on the cartridge it's compressed i don't but then it updates because that's what it is you're dealing with heavy compression because there's so much dialogue big thing audio takes up a lot of room just like we were talking about video right video takes up plenty of room too and that's why these pre-rendered cutscenes and a lot of things end up having compression artifacts and the darker the the scene is the more you're going to see that compression because you see those crushed blacks yeah it's rough times rough times uh over i'm gonna grab one more from um, and actually, this is a great example. I was just talking about this the other day. Or talking about this not the other day earlier. Uh, Rude days ninety three. One of our patrons. He says has to be another red ring of death for Xbox. If something like that were to happen again for the company in this day and age of social media, I don't think they'd be able to cover. So I find that interesting that you kind of viewed it more from in the age of social media. You don't think they'd recover. Um, I guess Rude days. If you clarify whenever you get a chance to to hear this, I'd love to hear. If if this is something that you personally think, oh, like I would be very upset with this, and less, what are the impact of it? Because I think you're right. I think if they had another Red Ring of Death to that degree, it'd be very hard to recover. I think at that point, they probably would stop being a console manufacturer, and I think they would switch almost immediately to their platform of where Game Pass goes on everything, and they just go ahead and Xbox becomes a, less of a platform and more of a service um which we're already seeing it kind of happen but would you personally be very strong about your opinions towards xbox if that were to happen just out of curiosity uh but thank you guys to everyone who said anything on here and just to kind of throw it in there shave dog also mentioned red ring of death was a complete disaster so these are good examples i'm surprised that a lot of people came down to um more current gen things. Yeah, I was I was interested to see if anybody was going to dig deep back and be like, you know what? I really hated when the Sega Dreamcast didn't have this or they did this. Uh, pretty interesting. Also, uh, Shave Dog mentioned the PS3 because of the fact that, and this is right. Whenever they showed it, and then whenever it released, there were a lot of things that they were originally going to do that were missing. There were originally multiple HDMI ports. Uh, there were multiple. There were way more USB ports, and it was interesting. Launch models of PS3 kept probably the most of this, where the flip up was a card reader like mine in there, and you had four USB ports. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff got cut. The so, one with the card reader was the one with the backwards compatibility, right? Yeah. Okay. If it has a card reader. Oh, actually, you know what? Is, did they make a rendition without the card reader? And I think the 80 gig non-backwards compatible one still had the card reader, but that was it. It didn't have the USB but ports. It, yeah, I don't think it had four USB ports. It had two. That sounds right. Okay, that's all I'm trying to think. Cause there's, there's, there's technically four PS3s. There's that one. There's the original backwards compatibility one. There's the slim, the super slim. But there's, nobody. There's, there's more than that. <laughs> the The original body style of PlayStation 3 had a lot of renditions. 
Did it? I thought all I had two. No, it had a, it had a lot. They had a lot of things they had to cut. Uh, some of them went like partial. Okay, there was full backwards compatible for some PS3s where they had the entire PS2 chip. Then, yeah, oh. then the first thing that they did was try to cut some of the hardware yeah. where it had some of it, but then it relied on software emulation to do the rest, and those had more backwards compatibility issues, if I'm remembering correctly. And then they had one where they completely got rid of PS2 stuff, and then the only way you could play PS2 games was ones that were reworked with the PS3 Classics thing, where they were essentially rebuilding the game to run on PS3 code, or kind of. Yeah. It's... It was interesting time period. Um, it's more interesting to me that the PS classics have stayed around. Uh, PS2 classics, like I we wish... got PS2 classics on PS4. Yeah, because I, I downloaded um, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Trophy oh. support is cool though. Speaking of trophy support in that game, I, I for those that don't know, on PS5 you can now see what is I think is a rough estimate of how many hours you played in games from PS4. Yeah, that do you know why I think it's rough? Because apparently I've played 70 hours of WWE 2K16. I've never owned that game. I've never played that game. I don't know where that came from. I don't I, know either. I don't, I don't understand. And I was going through... Um, I yeah, went through my list, and none of, mine seemed pretty accurate. Uh, mine seemed, for the most part, pretty accurate, except for Dark Souls 3. It said I only had 116 hours. And I'm like, I know for sure that's wrong, because on one of my PvP players it was 68 hours or something on just one of those yeah um and that was later that was like after saw plays and stuff so like there's no way but um it had wwe 2k16 in there for for an absurd amount of time spent on it but the other one was monster hunter i don't think i played monster hunter world for a thousand hours and it said i did i don't think i played that game that i could see that i had even though I finally did it was, it calm was, down. We like, played that game It was like 900-something hours played. And, and I was like, what? The other problem that comes down, and this happens on Vita as well, a lot of games will be set up to where if you put your system in sleep mode, they're, they're coded wrong to where it'll count sleep mode time. I always kept sleep mode at an hour, though. So I, I didn't shut down that thing a, a thousand times. Or yeah, I'd say a thousand. I, I'd say I played that game for 300 hours. You only keep your system up. If, if you go into sleep mode, it's in sleep mode. You can keep power oh, to USB for an hour. Of, yeah. Yeah, no, but if it, it'll just it'll count. like a, There's a Gundam game on Vita that if you put your Vita in sleep mode, and as long as it doesn't die, it just counts all that time. So there was a guy who had like 30,000 hours or oh something. Oh, my gosh. It was, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Actually, I think one of our... I don't know if he still listens to the show. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, dear. He was the one who got it took forever for him to come to get the Monster Hunter World Platinum because he kept trying to get that last crown. I can't believe I can't think of his name right now. Oh, um, why did you do this to me? I but you see, know who I'm talking I, about I can now. see his, uh, his avatar and everything. Me too. It's going to bother me if I can't go find it. And we deleted the Monster Hunter World thing out of there. It was... Um, because there's always like users that like their names weren't similar, but for some reason their avatars would confuse me, or I would get confused at what user I was talking to or what person sure. I was talking to based on their avatar. That's why like I got no fate, uh, um, and um, somebody else mixed up all the time, and I don't know why their avatars are wildly different, and I would still mix them up. Um, sure, uh, Shiro Kumo, is that right? No, Shiro that Kumo. Yeah, uh, Shiriko. Sh- yeah. Shir- uh, Shir- Shir- Shiriko, but he put Mo at the end now. He's updated his name. Shiriko, yeah. He was one of them that had, I think, 3,000 hours <laughs> yeah, on his because it, he would play it at work. He had to find like a baby uh, or something like that. Well, it, I, I was talking about on his, uh, on his Vita for that Gundam game. Oh. But he also did have, I think it took him 1,000 hours to platinum. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
rough times. Anyway, we're going to get into our sponsorship for this episode. You know, Mr. Sheriff Norwalling's in here. This man has got smooth huevos. And if you don't know what huevos is, it's technically eggs. eggs. Uh, but you I know what? Say, I don't know why he said huevos. Because that's the slang term for your testicles. Uh, and you know what? If you want balls that are also as smooth as eggs, even though I guess it can never be, right? Everybody's got wrinkly balls and they take a nice shower. Screw it, the skin loosens up. <laughs> um, your balls are wrinkly? I mean, yeah, dude. Hey, we, you know you know when it's like mildly cold outside and you feel like, oh, my balls are tight today. No, mine, mine just sit there like a leather sack. <laughs> uh, do you think – I was talking about this. Uh, I was, of course, guest on a podcast that my buddy does, the guy I do music with. And I was saying it would be funny if you could age people like a tree by counting the number of wrinkles in their balls. <laughs> like every year you'd gain a wrinkle. <laughs> like, a, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, did you know that you can take care of those wrinkles if you use Manscaped's ball toner? Oh, really? Yeah. You know what Manscaped needs to do to come out? Well, they need to come out with Botox for balls to smooth those no, babies right over. No, they should not. No, That's clearly they a joke. Should not. Could no. you imagine though? Could you imagine just having a smooth? That would look actually terrifying. Look like an avocado. <laughs> Avocados are still a little texture, but though. it would be a smooth avocado if you used a lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped and uh, a bevy of of accessories to go along with it. We've talked about it before, but. Uh, the ball deodorant and the ball toner, those are my favorites. They're cologne. Wearing the underwear right Pretty now. Pretty good. Very comfortable. I am a, I'm a big fan of their underwear and their shirt. I feel like I've said that the last few times that I've recorded. This is actually accidental. I didn't intend to wear these today, and yet here I am. I'm very, like, I'm not OCD, but, like, I'm very, I want to say, this is going to sound mean. I promise it's not mean, and I promise it's not, no, no I'm not going to say it. I am very particular about my wardrobe. So I typically wear the same stuff on any given day. Like if it's Monday, I wear this plus jeans. Tuesday, this plus yeah. my work pants. Where you like, even if you don't necessarily intend to, right. it's almost like it's a. It's Saturday. Nature. Like, like this gray shirt here is is one of my podcast shirts, but I have another one of these that's this same exact style of shirt that's newer. That is my going out shirt for Saturdays. So I am very particular about this kind of stuff. And the Manscaped shirt, um, when I have it. Um, my wife also stole my office shirt the other day, but, um, what I have it, that is my Sunday night chilling shirt. Okay. I wonder what your meanness is there. I'm assuming there was something you were going to say about my dressing habits, which I don't care. I'll just type it out in here, but, uh, why don't you go on with it with, with let, let, <laughs> let, let the boys in chat know what they'll get with our package with our package to take care of theirs, to take care of theirs. Yes. You can get. 20% off of your first order as well as free shipping. If you head over to manscaped.com and put code SQRDN, and uh, I'm going to see what mean things Saul has to say about me. After the ad read. After the ad read. So remember, manscaped.com, code SQRD, 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. And remember, you know, they don't just have the lawnmower. You can take care of that ear and nose hair with the weed whacker. Remember, it's in this nice bag right here, all rechargeable, has a light on the ball trimmer, so you can sit there and trim your balls. It's also waterproof. If the power goes out, you're covered. Yeah, you can you can take a shower in your power being out, I guess, as long as you still have hot water. Or maybe you like cold showers. You can still see your balls with the light, and you can still trim them bad boys. Waterproofing is something that, that you just underestimate how great it is that when you come to the cleanup. Saul didn't have anything mean to say about me. Thank you. I, didn't, I told you it wasn't about me. It was about myself. <laughs> That's okay, though. But uh, you can use discount code SQRD at checkout on manscaped.com, and it'll save you 20% and get you that free shipping. One more time, so, just to annoy you. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, one more time. It's going to be discount code SQRD. 
thank you to Manscaped for uh, sponsoring the show, and thank you guys for supporting us through that. Uh, we we have, didn't. We didn't. Can we announce that what we can announce? I mean, I just we, the, the sponsorship was renewed. I mean, yeah. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. We, I don't care. Thank you guys. The only reason the sponsorship gets renewed is because you guys are supporting the, yourselves and your own packages as well as supporting the show, which is uh, that's the dream team. That that you're, you're coming together, you're doing the thing right there. The thingy thing. <laughs> for your thingy thing but thanks we're gonna to, get into i was gonna say thanks to thanks to uh to manscape and their sponsorship they're practically paying for our pizzas when we do live streams now hey. so it's a win-win we're gonna do that for next week unless some kind of crazy internet accident happens here but we, we can do this and actually if i can do it right and my game room's done we can chill in the in the nice area and move the camera at an angle yeah that would be dope that would be dope We'll have to figure that we out. We could do a full let's play of Bloodborne because that actually does not take me long at all. And that cool. is fully consistent. There we go. All right. We're going to head into the news. And the news this week, it's I feel short. like there's not a lot, but that's okay. Uh, first things first is PS Plus, I think, continues to hit. We kind of knew this, at least one of these games was coming. But for February, which you can get those games starting Tuesday, users can expect Destruction All-Stars, which we, of course, got way more gameplay for as well alongside this announcement. So go check it out. See, see if it looks like it's up your alley. Of course, it's free. Try it. I'd say anytime that there's a, a game, even if I don't think I'm gonna like it, if it's free on PS Plus, it's hitting my down. It's hitting my library. I'm super excited for Destruction All Stars. It looks really good. I'm also excited for it. Uh, I'm glad that that's something I can hop into starting next week. Um, that was again the original PS5 launch title that got pushed back uh, and announced to be a PS Plus day one. So good to see them doing that, and it didn't get pushed back again. Uh, the con- controversial Control Ultimate Edition you get for both PS4 and PS5. Um, which is good. The only thing that's weird about this, I find, is that there was so much controversy over n- having to pay for it, not having to pay for it, and then for it to land here. It's more of a curiosity. I'm not making any actual presumptions or statements here, but there is a curiosity. Did some of the controversy lead Sony to offering them up? Like, hey, we know there was controversy about the game. What if we give you this much money and you put it on our service day one? Or do you think... this is? I would love to see how PS Plus deals are made behind. Like, do you... Is it possible that the people over at, um, oh, good Lord, why can't I think of the name of that developer right now? Starts with an R, Remedy. There we go. Oh, I, thought, I didn't realize that that's is the one you're talking about. Yeah, is it possible that the developer's Remedy behind that game went to PlayStation and were like, hey, would you be interested in this game being a PS Plus thing? I have to assume it's probably Sony, but why did Sony go after them? You know, Was it more like, hey, we saw that there was some controversy and we can clean that up by having it be a PS Plus game? Which will make some people happy. Then again, makes other people's ma- other people mad because it's been on sale a lot lately. So people who have just bought it for twenty dollars are now going to be able to get it for free. Yeah, it's there's what? never an end. That's the problem with digital purchasing is that you're always going to find something happening to where you're going to either miss out on a better deal, you're going to miss out on you're going to buy and then it's going to end up being free two weeks later. Was that a uh, was that game scary? I mean, creepy stuff to a degree, but more just, I'd say less creepy, more mystery, thriller aspects. Cool. You, um, did, you never played Control at all, right? No. This game, I hope, and even the PS4 game might, they do say that this runs in a much newer version of their Northlight engine. Yeah. Uh, so your PS4 save can't go up because it's a different version of the engine, which is fine. They could have... Of course, spent time trying to make that work out, but I actually agree with them on this. They're a small developer. They really are. And it's like, do you want us to spend more of our time making the PS5 version just transfer your save, or do you want more time spending and making sure that it runs well and looks a lot better as a PS5 upgrade? And realistically, yeah. I want you to just... 
I can still play the PS4 version. If you're not going to make it that much better than the PS4 version, I'll just play the PS4 yeah. version on PS5. Yeah, that's it's yeah. So at that degree, I think uh, I do think you'll enjoy it. I know that you like Metroidvanias, and this is very much a 3D Metroidvania. Okay. Um, and I think it does have an interesting story. It raises some questions depending on how deep you look. I think you can kind of figure some of them out. But it's also just a very stylistic game, in the sense where I feel like it has such an undeniable sense of style that it just sticks with you. Hmm. So interesting. That's really cool. I'm really glad to see that. So that's there. And then it rounds off with uh, the PS4. I consider it a kind of a sleeper exclusive. Uh, Concrete Genie. Very good. I I'm absolutely that love one. that game. Uh, I think. Did you ever play Epic Mickey? The original? Uh, yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. I did. It's one of the only Wii games I've actually played. Yeah. It's been and a long I love that time. game. Uh, this has got some Epic Mickey slash Kingdom Hearts moments that come, I won't say out of nowhere. But it surprised me because like, you see the game and then you play it and you're like, okay, this is kind of what I expected. And then suddenly, well, thanks for ruining that surprise for me. <laughs> I've already said it. I guess you just didn't. You must have forgotten. Maybe so. That's why I didn't think That's how my brain works. If I hear like a story plot or something, I try my, fur- my hardest to further myself from it. I don't really think it's story so much as it's gameplay. Oh, well, that's the case. It's more of a gameplay spoiler. Cool. Well, I don't care about gameplay spoilers that much. Yeah. But. Unless it's like God of War. Okay. Yeah, fair. But that's also a story spoiler. That is true. Hey, speaking of Bloodborne for the stream, if we get that going, let's do it Saturday, like mid-morning. Like order pizza for lunch, if that's possible. I think so. Um, But you know how I said that there is a Chalice Dungeon you can go into, and you just get 80k Blood Echoes for standing there. Kotaku made a post about it. The Cum Dungeon? It's the same one. It's C-U-M-M-M-F-P-K. That's the same one. And I was like, why did they... Oh, is that like a seed code? Yeah, like you type in C-U-M-M-M-F-P-K. And I was like, why would you make a video about that? Like, why now of all times? And call it a cum dungeon. <laughs> Headlines. This dungeon's so old. And then now, just now, they made They're a They're acting about like it. it's new. Well, it's just like, yeah, it's like it has been found. I'm like, no, this, this dungeon's at least a year old. That's what's cool about... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, random, randomly generated, like, like procedurally seeds. generated content. Yeah, uh, is that seeds always become like if you find a world you really like in Minecraft and like at least as a starting point, you can always enter that seed and then get it again. I, I the reason I think I love that is because it brings back that feeling of like when you'd write something down, which of course you can type it in. Yeah, but it. it urges you to get away from the game for a second and be like, that was really good. What was that seed? Or, oh, I really like this world. What was that seed number? Or or if you play Minecraft and it's cool to go look at different seeds to try for worlds that you haven't had yet. Yes. And just type on those in. And just open, like, I like the way this is set up. Yeah. Let's, let's roll. One of the coolest seeds I ever used in Minecraft, this was back on the 360, um, was a floating mountain biome. And oh. it was essentially just like these really big mountains that were just in the sky in one part of the world. I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. See, I, I like stuff like that, and it's, it's it's a cool way to bring back. I feel like it it creates conversation within the community in a way that's different. Yeah, like, like I mean, yeah, all of the Soulsborne community is all about helping each other. But having a specific sect, it's like, what's the best way to min max uh, the Chalice Dungeons? That's a cool new way, and it it brings people to suddenly hop back in and say, you know, that you have the people who are like early days, right? Who are like, oh. I just tried this sword or this weapon with this skill dump, and this comes together as a good build. That's something you can expect, but eventually you run out of those. You under, you get to a point where there's an understood thing of builds, but you get to a point eventually, too, or you don't get to a point nearly as quickly, I should say, 
from Bloodborne or any kind of procedurally generated content that lets you have a seed where you can suddenly be like, I've been playing Bloodborne for four years. I just got this random seed and it's perfect. Here it is. And what's really cool about that is like there are weapons like the Chikagi, which you can only get um, in, in Chalice Dungeons. No, like you have you have to go all the way through um, Forsaken Castle, Kanehurst, okay. which you know is like the end of boss of that is ridiculously far into the game. Yeah, and um, or it's meant to be. But uh, if you could beat him, you can then access that weapon in the Messenger Bath as you buy it with a badge, and you can literally get the Chikagi right after you beat Bloodstarved Beast but because of a Chalice Dungeon. Oh, yeah. So because you just skip. Yeah, you, you, you get a, a super... That's why I said this This is like for sure. Like Unlike this, the full plays we did last time where um, it's kind of more questionable, that was more of a speed run, this can easily be done like three hours or less and it takes... like it, There is no guesswork. It is 100% like the game done Yeah, how easy it is. Which is nice. I mean, and, and I'm assuming that that's a specific seed. Yeah, because you use that seed to get the Chikagi, and then you use another, you use the cum seed to get the uh, to get the chalice that you just sit there and like you literally take four steps out, and then you just use a um, whatever a homeward bone is in Bloodborne. I can't think of what it's called right now, and you just go back to the lamp. Yeah, nice. And you just do that over and over and over again. Okay, that's why I said the platinum for you is going to be ridiculously easy if you ever decide to go for it now. Yeah, because the only thing I have that's not related to that is having to get the other endings and uh, yeah, uh, get the, the the last chunk for upgrade weapon. Uh, the queen. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I know the queen's in there, but I mean, like, take away from the chalice dungeons. The only non-chalice dungeon thing that I'm aware of is getting the last... Um, oh, the two endings and then the, the blood rock? The blood rock that you have to go through those stupid frenzy things. Mm-hmm. God, I hate that area. I uh-huh. tried, like, three or four times, and I was like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> even Even, like... I, I could play that game and up until that point never die. I will almost always certainly die at least once because Dude, especially it. with the Chicago, um, it is really easy to make just a simple mistake. And if they frenzy you and then grab you, it's instant death. Oh, you're done. Yeah, yeah no matter your HP. God, I hated that. All right, next thing up on the list, despite being a divisive game amongst the internet spheres, The Last of Us Part Two was viewed differently from the gaming media and seemingly the player base as well, having now received more Game of the Year awards than any other title in history, with 169 of them coming from media outlets, with another 92 from Reader's Choice Awards, for a whopping total of 261, which edges out the first game's 254, which was originally the highest number of Game of the Year awards, if I'm not mistaken, for a long time at least. Um... And it brings the series total to over 500, which is crazy. That is crazy. For just I mean, two games. It's one of those things where, for me, I think this is one of those moments where regardless of how you feel about the game, because I know the game continues to be divisive even amongst the actual player base. There are people who are like, and I say divisive in the sense of, I feel like there's better conversation versions of the divisiveness where people are like, I played the game. This aspect is good. This aspect is good. This aspect just felt wrong. It felt like they rushed it or like this could have been done better or switching this perspective was done at the wrong time, blah, blah, blah. And you have these number of conversations where it's still people who are divisive about it, but not quite in the vitriol, the vitriolic way that you see on the internet spheres. Yeah. For the most part, or at least like the core internet stuff, like the visible parts of Twitter. Like I see pretty good conversations about the game, even with people who said they didn't like it in some of these very small Facebook groups that I'm in for gaming. And I kind of like seeing those because it feels like it's, there's always still somebody who's crazy, but for the most part, it's here's what I liked about the game here. What I didn't like about the game. And even if it's someone being like, I personally find that naughty dog completely dropped the ball here. It's like, okay, well you're coming from a reasonable, reasonable standpoint, kind of like naked Jakey. 
You know, it's like he's yeah. he, he's giving. Did his, you watch that? Yeah, I did. This, very very good video. He said every, even if I don't agree with everything he said. Yeah, and he he said everything that I essentially have an issue with in that game in, in such a better way than what I did originally. Um, but yeah, like what's crazy is is this game shares a lot of the same critiques and rabid fan base enemies as the Last Jedi did. Yeah. But I feel like fair point. I feel like at least the last Jedi had more to criticize <laughs> in terms of like the stuff in it. I have one main issue with the Last of Us too. One big, 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 big issue, and I think we all know it. And we all know if we've played it, if you've played it, and that is simply just in the timing of this issue. Uh, I do agree with actually. I, I do have, agree that it's, that you can move it and I, it, and it could work differently. I do have two big issues realistically. One is the one I just said. Two is it has to do with the ending of the game, but that's neither here nor there. Whereas with like the Last Jedi, I don't. I'm not one of those people who's like this is a terrible movie, but like I think it was r- clearly the worst of the three. Yeah, and, and that's saying something when it's still a fun movie to watch. It, it is. It's okay. It's fine. And there's some cool scenes, but at the same yeah. time, I think that it's one of those things where I think it was actually made worse. This sounds. This is probably going to sound crazy to people who really hated it before this. I actually think the Last Jedi was made worse by. Uh, Rise of Skywalker because Rise of Skywalker just was like also not great not a good movie but it was it was still just like it was fun but it ended up being a problem where it's like the first and the third movie connect and then the second movie is like we did everything we could to make it to where it's like that almost didn't happen it's like in in the Rise of Skywalker Ray throws her lightsaber and and Spirit Luke catches it he's like you should never throw one of these obviously throwing shade at the fact that he just tried to throw it off a cliff in in the second movie such the, a weird way of happening. My my favorite thing is the holdo maneuver. When in in the last or in the Rise of Skywalker, they're like, "We'll just do a holdo maneuver," and he's like, "No, you're an idiot. That has a no percent chance of working." Which is obviously what they did in the, the Last Jedi. They use hyperspace as a weapon. Anyways, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is we just need to rebrand the podcast. It's like a video game and movie cultural podcast. <laughs> Well, my thing is, like, let's transition to the game because I was about to anyway. Could you imagine a gaming trilogy where midway through the the same director was on the first one and the third one, and then randomly the second one was just a different director who wanted to do something so drastically different and did? Devil May Cry. That's actually, <laughs> well, it, wasn't Devil May Cry 2 and 1 the same director? No, 3 and 1 were. If I'm not mistaken, 3 and 1 were. I think. And 2 was not. Hold on. Hold That's on. why see. 2 is so different. But also, people say 2 is bad. Two is is not great. Two is just like the Last Jedi. It's a decent game, but two <laughs> is bad. It, it, it's not Dante because it's now known that he's the oldest in, incarnation of Dante at that point in this series. Oh, gotta hate laptop keyboards. They all suck. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Brett's fat checking me there. I, I'm checking because I'm curious too. Uh, Hideaki Itsuno was Devil May Cry 2's designer. Devil May Cry 1 designer was Hideki Kamiya and Shinji Mikami. Uh, of Actually, I knew Hideki Shinji Kami- Mikami was too. And I knew Hideki Kamiya was because that's um, yeah. guy behind... Um, and then let's look up Devil May Cry 3 real quick. Guy behind... Um, what is that game series called? Hideki uh, Itsuno. Yeah, so 1 and 3 was the same director. And Shinji Mikami was part of 1 because it was originally going to be a Resident, a Resident Evil, Evil game. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Didn't Shinji also work on um, Evil Within? Yeah. It was Shinji's the, uh, the, the creator. The, of the head of Tango yeah. Gameworks, yes. That's what I thought. Um, or Softworks. What's their name? Gameworks? What, is, Gameworks? what is Hideki behind? 
is it it's platinum right he's the he, he's the guy that calls people ants or whatever on twitter where if you speak to him in english he'll ban he'll block you yeah it's a game yeah. that's what i thought okay yeah but what it, it, he's platinum right am yeah. i mistaken in that okay yeah, he's platinum so he's behind uh bayonetta yes okay yes. i was having a meltdown right there not thinking of who that was um anyways speaking of weird platinum things it's still game related even though it's not playstation related did you see that uh nintendo now has full ownership of uh, astral chain yes and that Platinum Games apparently re- either released or sold or something, their partial ownership of that. You know, I'm setting up my Switch today um, because... That's a great game. I actually it, would I not actually, mind replaying it. I actually game. thought about replaying it because I, I love that. That game and the soundtrack so good. The game but is very uh, on good. to Biomutant. On to Biomutant. Um, the long revealed and just as long waited, clearly at this point, release of Biomutant finally has an end in sight with the game receiving a May 25th, 2021 release date. It'd be so funny if it was like 2022, <laughs> but May 25th, 2021, uh, that was announced over on the game's official Twitter. You can head over there and check it out, but I'll tell you, it's not much. It's just a image of the game, the date, and then it specifies PC, PS4, and Xbox One, uh, and it doesn't go into detail on anything more than that, so I'm assuming that we're not getting next-gen console versions. I kind of expected that. It's a double-A game, but what I'm curious about is whether the game is going to benefit from enhanced backwards compatibility similar to what we saw with cyberpunk which does not have a dedicated next gen version but clearly was a lot better to play on next gen so like does this game run at 30 frames per second on ps4 I but on not. ps5 it runs at 60 i i hope it i hope it has that just because of how late in the year it's it's, it's revealed to release now yeah. if it was back at like march or february i could get on board with 30 frames per second on ps5 but just being that late, I feel like that that kind of is is just too far. Almost a year into the PS5 lifespan, I don't think anything like that should run, especially a, set, a double A game running. A year into the PS5 lifespan, at almost, May? almost. May is not even almost. Four, what, we're we're six November? months in. I mean, yeah, it's half a year. Well, almost a year, ain't it? <laughs> sure. The the I guess technically six months in one day is. I mean, well, not really. Seven months in one day is your over half point. Halfway through six, I suppose, is technically. It would be six months in a day, wouldn't it? That's over halfway. No. Where do you get seven? Well, I guess six full months. You're right. Yeah, you're right. My bad. I'm so confused. You'd be in the seventh month. Don't listen to me. I'm (laughs) stupid. Clearly. Hey, speaking of games, (laughs) about next-gen updates, the Division 2 actually surprised me. Yeah, the Division 2 is finally getting its next-gen updates, uh, following up on a couple of other. I still find it crazy that Warframe of them all was the only one available basically at launch. I mean, it was a little bit out, but not by much. I think it was like two weeks. Yeah. They were really close. Uh, So, yeah, we've got next-gen update for Division 2 hitting 4K and 60 frames per second, which is nice, alongside its Resident Evil crossover for uh, apparel that they announced at the Resident Evil Showcase and some rebalances for other parts of the game that hits Tuesday if you were still playing that game. A lot of people bought that game when it was like, was it $1.99 or $2.99 for like a couple months? And then they got... So, yeah, if you bought that game, and I think it went on sale again recently for Chump Change, so if you just want to play it in a better version, the game's not bad. If you got it for $3 and you can play it at 4K60, it's fun. It's a fun time, even you know, if it's just something you play with friends. I always made the joke that I downloaded this game, but I never, or I, inst- or I bought this game, but I never downloaded it. I bought this game for $60. I did too, and I, I never downloaded it. Shouldn't and have. You know what? For this 4K60, I'm, your boy might jump in. That might be kind of pretty just to look at. Yeah, the game does look good. The I don't feel like one. it's 
The first, first one, one looked good. Looks good, yeah. Especially, there's something just cool about walking down New York in the snow like that. Dude, I actually think the first game was more technically impressive. Maybe it was just because of where it was at, but it was cool and seeing Ryan be so excited whenever we were playing it with him, being like, hey, guys, guys, like, come here. Okay, now walk in the snow for a second, let the snowflakes hit you, and now walk under this thing, and then you start to see it melt on your shoulder yeah. as you go inside. That was cool. It was. Uh, I, that, that was a fun game. That was, just, I just wish it was better. For it to be as the type of game it was, it, it reminded me of like when you played Uncharted 1 and you walked in the water and then you got out and you're like, only my pants are wet. This is amazing. <laughs> Fun fact about that. Uh, when I got my PS3, uh, my first one, um, or actually I only ever owned one. Yeah, but, you only owned the, the, the Super Slim. Yeah. But, you got Uncharted 3. Yes. And I went and I did not take it home immediately. I took it to Casey's house and I was showing him Uncharted. And that there's a part in Uncharted 3 at the very beginning where you get wet. And you could jump out, and it's just like your clothes are like sitting there soaking. And he, he's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, the the sand tech is really good in that game too. Just like the snow tech in two was really good. Snow I liked tech in two was good. Something that was cool about games during the PS3 time when there was a lot of new tech is that you would like make your game, and you'd be like, "Okay, we know we want the game to be, we know we want the story to be, but we're going to try and find a way to work it into this environment." Or even it's like maybe the story was influenced by you. Be like, "We want to make a game where we can develop some really cool sand tech, so we're going to make a game if we can." have a story that would tie him into a reason as to why he needs to be in the desert okay cool we'll do that and then we can show off the the, the sand tech in this game and two which was the third game and two it's like oh okay we're gonna have a story we want to try and introduce snow to switch it up from the jungle environment so much so let's see what we can do to show off snow tech oh we'll make a tibetan you know you can be in tibet tibet's full of snow you know what? It's what, cool. I like that. What I like about that series is that how almost every single one uses a, a, a different a different centerpiece for each one. So like the first one is jungle, the second one is snow, the third one is deserty. But what does the fourth one use? Anything? See, the thing about the fourth one is that the and the fourth one's a good game. I don't really have any major problems with it at all. But the fourth game feels the most homogenized i should say yeah like it's really pretty and since the tech jump is so big seeing a jungle environment like that because you're in madagascar right so seeing the jungle environment like if i was going to say anything the thing that they didn't do in the other games that was really beautiful was underwater they could have yeah the game was gorgeous when you'd go diving underwater it was pretty cool uh so i appreciated that man Uncharted 4 could have done a cool underwater thing and harkened back to what they normally do, which I'm not going to spoil, and had like Cthulhu underwater. Yeah, that and that's actually one of the things that people didn't like about 4 too is that it actually got rid of that. It, what? It, I mean, it got yeah. It's it's oh you yeah I forget you have yeah. Uh, they, they wanted the game to feel more grounded, but that was always one of the fun parts of the Uncharted games leading up. Yes, it was. I can't tell you how bad I cut my pants the, towards the end of Uncharted on the what's that boat called in Uncharted One. It's a U-ship. It's a U-boat. It's a German U-boat. Can't think of what it's called. But just I was like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah, that was really cool. I, and I always thought that that was fine. You know, I mean, it's kind of like when you watch Indiana Jones. You see alien skulls, even in the fourth one, which wasn't that good to a lot of people. It still worked. Eh, we'll see. I also want to see how that Indiana Jones game comes out. Just because. At that point, it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, while collector's editions have been shown off early from games that didn't come until much later, sometimes even being fully announced where you can pre-order, looking at you, Biomutant, uh, the leak of the Dying Light 2 collector's edition might suggest that the title is not far from announcement and that the game hasn't suffered too greatly from some of the shakeups. ups uh, 
that they've had. Uh, the collector's edition comes with a limited statue, a UV flashlight, steel book, art book, and the minutia of stickers and maps that some people love, some people hate. Um, I feel like that's just where it is. You either like that it comes with all that dumb stuff, or you're like, I only wanted the statue and the steel book. Why am I paying for all these stickers and maps? Uh, dude, give me a high quality map. I want like a canvas map. That was what was cool about the Skyrim one. Is it like a straight? I still have it. It's cloth though, isn't it? No, it's like canvas. It wasn't. I I, I had it. I just can't remember what it is. Now, now what else? What? If you pre-ordered it from GameStop, you got a cloth map. Wait, was it Dark Souls two that came with a cloth map too? Uh, I think The Witcher three came with a cloth map, which was actually still cool. I didn't have that. I, I like cloth I maps. They're I like them. That's a cool idea. But having a uh, like actual thick canvas map that feels like a real map, it's like oh, this is dope. Yeah, it did. Because remember, I got this one night we were at GameStop for like $40. Yeah. For the PC version? No, it was PS3. Was it PS3? Yeah. They had one PS3 one left. Because we thought they had them all at the top. And I was like, oh, that's all PC. But in like the middle, there was a PS3, PS3. one. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Uh, so there goes all that. And it comes in with a price of 210 euro, which is about $250 for US. Uh, this is, of course, not yet confirmed by Techland. But if you can go check this out, it looks fairly legitimate. There's full-on imagery. Uh, I, the only thing that might not be accurate is price. But considering what's there, wouldn't surprise me. I feel like collector's editions are getting very expensive lately. Uh, next thing up, Balan Wonderland, or Balan, I don't actually know how you pronounce that. The Square Enix title from Nights into Dreams creator and Team Sonic uh, co-creator Naoto Oshima has a demo out now for all to play before the game hits on March 26th. So if you've never played one of those games, want to go see what this is like, it's inspired similar to that. Haven't played it yet, uh, but I've heard people talk about it, and it seems like what I would have expected. Um I'm curious if I would like that in this modern age because I do, of course, like Sonic and I did like Nights in the Dreams when I was young. And also, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Chows are like an evolution of uh, Nights in the Dreams had a system with these like little angel cherub things. And you could, if you really wanted to, you can mess with them in game and get them to do different things and like multiply and there'd be different layers of what they could do. Yeah, and then they kind of made that into Chows once they did Sonic Adventure. It was like, well, we're just going to kind of create Chows and go off of that. And it was an evolution of the same thing. I can't remember what they called the tech, but it was just about having a system that had a bunch of different variations depending on how you interacted with them, which is a cool idea. There was a point in time in games where it was like, how can we make this more? What do you, what would you even call that? Where it's like systemic almost, where it's like you're going to have a bunch of different variables that you can come in and you can interact with the game in a way that's completely separate from the normal gameplay routine. What is that? They have a name for it, and I can't remember what they called it, but it was it's an interesting idea. If you have any interest in it, there's a, a cool video. Uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber, but just look up uh, Nights in the Dreams and then Chows, and it'll kind of show you how the two worked and how they expanded the idea in some ways with Chows and how they also took the idea down a little bit with Chows. It was pretty interesting seeing how the sega saturn was able to handle that stuff but next up while we're talking about sonic sonic's voice actor of over 10 years roger craig smith has stepped down from the character it's currently unclear as to why we don't know if it was kind of pushed by sega uh, if it was you know started by him and that he wanted to step down it seems like it's potentially more on sega as he kind of put a tweet on twitter with a little heartbreak thing so who knows um it's where we are, I think, with a new Sonic happening this year, or should be with the 30th anniversary hitting, they may be going with a new Sonic to freshen things up, or I don't think that this would be the case, but 
there's some idea out there that they might be trying to return Sonic to being silent because the game they do this year is going to be more of a throwback to the Genesis era. And of course, Sonic Mania has been big, but I don't know. I just, I find it weird either way. Now I'm also going to say this. Roger Craig Smith has been fine. He's, he's what he is, but because of my, I call them nostalgia headphones, which is when you get so used to a voice actor that you hate when they change. I was talking about that earlier. Uh, it gets to the point where, it doesn't really matter to me. The most time I've spent with Sonic and just really enjoyed and been super enamored with was always Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. So Ryan Drummond, who was the voice actor that time period, even though he wasn't perfect, is who I view Sonic as. But I get Roger Craig Smith. He's done plenty for the series, and a lot of people like him. So unfortunate. Last thing we have to talk about here, though. Tencent continues its crawl into all things gaming, securing investments, and don't nod the developer behind Life is Strange, Remember Me, and Vampire, as well as the new game that I can't remember the name of. It's an Xbox exclusive. Vampire Masquerade? Nope. It's already come out. Um, the, the newest one? It's. Hold on. I'll tell you. Tell me why. Is the name of the game? Oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known that. Um, yeah, uh, new game. It's already come out. Already been out. It's a, it was a Game Pass hit late 2020. Um, anyway, that developer. So they put into them, and then also Mundfish. And if you don't know Mundfish, I don't blame you. But just to give you a heads up, they're the developer behind the game that everyone's been wanting, the Soviet Russia bio um, Bioshock, as we've been calling it, um, Atomic Heart. So you may remember it from that. Uh, there's probably more because honestly, the thing about it is, I feel like every week, Tencent invests into some gaming company, and I, it makes me so uncomfortable because yeah. it makes me think of like at that point in time where Disney was just buying everything. It's a weird monopoly, and like, it's not. I know they're not full owners, right? But still, and it's not inherently bad, especially currently for us. But in a monopoly like world it could very well end up being like that and that's the only thing i'm i'm more curious about is i'm just curious to see what this is going to end up being yeah because i think the thing for me is that it means that like true 100 percent pure indie titles that you see from people who do this on their own kind of like um stardew valley where it's a guy who just creates a game all on his own or two people who come together with nothing else and just release a game I think that that kind of indie is going to be the last frontier of people just really making what they want to make without any kind of outside influence. The yeah. problem that comes down is that Tencent as an investor still have the ability to come in and say, we don't like that. We want this game to release in China and we want to be able to work this out. So let's not do that in this game. And even if you don't actually have that from them, I think you'll run into the thing that I think a lot of Sony developers do now with Sony's very unclear and inconsistent, um, inconsistent rather, um, brain's failing me. Yeah, every time your brain fails, mine does too. Censorship policy. Yeah, the censorship policy is that you end up creating in a way where you try to create to avoid being hit by it. So if a creator has an idea and then they come and go, oh, I really want to do that, but then they stop and go, oh, man, there's a chance that our investor wouldn't like that. Let's just not do it. Now, the thing is, you never know. Hopefully these developers are all looking at this and trying to talk and be like, hey, you know, we want we still want to maintain control and not have that fear. And I hope that's the way it's going. But it's hard not to see it and kind of go, 
what does this mean? Why is there so much interest in that? And also the reason that I think it's a big thing is that regardless of what anyone says, Ten- Tencent is directly funded by the Chinese government because the way that Chinese by the way that China ends up working around with what it's doing, they in, they actually directly go into these things. And that means that in a lot of ways, the Chinese government particularly is what's pushing this. And I just find that so weird because it's not something that you typically see in other countries. You don't see the government push so much. Like there are examples uh, like the Canadian and not necessarily the government, but there, there were like Canadian funds and taxes and whatnot that were poured into like uh Fez you remember Fez? Yeah. And that game, that game. The guy was always remembered for being a butthole. That's what, that's exactly why. And like I, he was the, he he was almost the I'm trying to remember his name cuz it's a great um there was a great indie um development documentary on YouTube for a while that showed it off. Um Phil Fish. That was the guy's name. I can't stand that guy. Uh, At but, least based on his past. But yeah. And that. then uh, I think it's, is it Rhode Island or who is it? It's some state that was almost entirely uh, behind by the way that it ended up working because of like the failures and bankruptcy and stuff of this game that Kingdoms of Amalur's developer ended up going under. And it was like the game was almost entirely funded by the state that it was in. Yeah, I can't remember who that is now because I think we've looked it up before. It was a about, very weird situation. So what is it called? Reawakening or something? Kingdoms of Yeah, Re- Re-Reckoning. Re-Reckoning. Uh, let's see. Rhode Island, yeah. Is it Rhode Island? It's Rhode Island. I'm pretty sure because that's what comes up when you search. Uh, 38 Studios was the original developer, and they were founded in Rhode Island. Uh, originally based in Massachusetts, the movie the company moved to Rhode Island. Oh. And ended up being part of that, and it went bankrupt, and it gave all sorts of stuff. Uh, Kurt Schilling, that's what it is, gave $75 million. Rhode Island gave Kurt Schilling $75 million to make a game. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of shady from that end. So it's not that it's impossible. State and government funds technically do make their way into things, but I feel like the way that that China's doing it here, we don't know. There could be no ill intentions. I'm not really trying to put that on there. It's just China's disregard, and and I know we just talked about this earlier in a kind of different sense, but China's complete disregard for copyright infringement always makes this kind of weird. Well, and I think, too, that there's something to think about is that if Tencent ended up having a majority stakes in the gaming world, especially for development, yep. there's going to be this kind of developmental shift for people who don't even work with Tencent because you have people making games and they have to be, you know, Tencent certified, quote unquote, where if this, this has to pass with Tencent and in order for it to pass with Tencent, it has to make these guidelines. Well, you're going to have companies, especially smaller companies, who aren't working with Tencent but would prefer their games to be that way because inevitably they feel like that's how it's going to become. Oh, it's like I, you're trying to follow the curve of the gaming industry? Yeah, restrictions of their development because of Tencent. And then because of that, it kind of curves around and creates this, this I don't, I don't know, just this kind of weird habitual, like, oh, well, we can't make the game this way because Tencent won't allow it. But we're not even published or 
I, in, Tencent doesn't own anything in our company or anything like that, but they know eventually if they want a sequel for the game, they have to go through Sony, they'll have to go through Tencent, and they'll have to do it anyways. If it keeps happening yeah, that way. I it, mean, it I guess that's a, a clearly... expectation. That's, I get you. That is that's a, in-game, in-game thought. Yeah, that's that's really far off. But technically, you're, the possibility does exist, and that's pretty steep in the way that it looks. I mean, but I still think you'd have the thing of people who are just individual, singular people who go against that because they're just making games for their own reasons, and then you get games like Stardew that this guy made because he wanted to, and there was a small group of people that he was like, hey, was there any interest in this? And enough people said, yeah. Yeah, that it was just kind of like let's do it it's such a good game too. it's crazy and then that game comes up to blow up and be good when it didn't have any outside pressure outside of just himself and the fans wanting it but you know it's it's fine i think the 10 cent thing is just something that it's much like disney i, I mean as much as it is about the fact that it's uh, a government that is known for censoring and is known for lack of copyright care that's part of it but it's also just because i don't like a singular thing owning anything and which is kind of like the thing of for every company that Sony buys and Microsoft continue to buy, and a lot of this is going to start happening to where uh, or at least a lot of people view it this way, where moving forward, game companies as the the system it's on starts to matter less, and it starts to become more that you can play games without a system, which yeah. does seem like this is the way things are going, that it's going to be more about what games you have under your platform even if it's not on a system, even if it's not on a console. So Sony has more reason to want to buy people. Microsoft has more reason to want to buy studios so that they get IP that they can have at that point. And so they can also just have the development resources to keep doing this. I don't even like that. Like I wouldn't even like a world where it's just Microsoft and Sony. That's not going to happen. Nintendo is stuck in there for a long time and are finally at success with switch for the first time in a hot minute to where it's since the Wii. since it's real success that has high attach rate because we was a success with a low attach rate still a success though but still they a still success. made money uh and then you of course the ds was a huge success the 3ds less or so but they still made still money a success. so my, the point being is that nintendo is hung in there and they're doing really well right now and as long as nintendo can stick around and go even if it comes up to you know, those three i think it's better but you always will have third-party publishers too, Ubisoft. But even if you think about that, you don't really let's let's go away from all that. Do you really want a world full of where every game is published by either EA or Ubisoft or Activision? Yeah, it'd be lame. I mean, we're already we're in a world where a lot of games are, but we're also in a world where we get lucky, cool releases that everybody ends up loving. Like the Bio Mutant has the potential right now. A lot of people seem excited on it. Bio Dead, Mutant Dead come Cells. out, yeah. Dead Cells became a huge hit. Of the Greedfall actually did surprisingly well, and that's from Focus Home Interactive. Slay the Spire. There's a honestly, that's why I was so excited to get a Switch again. Is because there are there are specific games, Hollow Knight, like that are they just excel at on a handheld. And honestly, dang, now I had a thought there, and I don't for the community's take question. I don't remember what it was. Oh well, darn. <laughs> like it just crossed my mind as I was talking to him, and I thought I was like, "That'd be a good community's take." Dang, was it in relation to handheld gaming? No, maybe it's maybe it's what are people's favorite indie games in the past decade or something like that's that. A, that's fine, we can do that. But I can't. That, that's not exactly what it was. I remember it tomorrow. I'd even at that point. I think, late. what's your favorite game that's not a AAA game? That's the best way to kind of word it. And yeah. I think some people may not be completely aware of what isn't isn't AAA. To be honest, that does happen. Um, Call of Duty is a double A game, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine a double A Call of Duty? Call of Duty Mobile. <laughs> it's not, but I mean, that's, that's, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified for the Vita. That game was awful. The game was not great. <laughs> but I guess what about Call of Duty Cold War on three on the DS. Was it Call of Duty Cold War? It was a Call of Duty game on the DS. I can't remember what it was. 
I wasn't Cold War. Modern Warfare was on the DS. That might be what I'm thinking. Though. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Oh. It's like Halo on the DS, and that's also crazy. Dude, it just makes you go, how? Like, yeah. why, did, why did you even think this was a good idea? Like, I can look at Metroid Prime Hunters. And be like, yeah, that makes like, sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. The moment that you do, like, Call of Duty on there, I'm like. Yeah, it's like, that's way too pixely. But, uh, yeah. So, community's take question. What is your favorite non-AAA game? Or, I'll say it this way. What is your favorite non-AAA discovery in the past couple of years to decade? Something that, again, that you just really enjoyed that you didn't think you would enjoy based off of, um, you know, your personality and your play history. Um, but yeah, you could always answer this question and get it on our community's take at our Discord in the link description below, uh, our, Twitter, which is, of course, I said earlier, triangle SQRD over there. And then uh, we'll post that on Friday. We'll post it on Discord on Friday. If you want to answer it in the YouTube comments, because nobody does that. Um, nobody probably will. So shoot your shot there if you want to. Or, of course, you can answer it on our Facebook group, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. We thank Manscaped for believing in the small people like ourselves and uh, giving us a sponsorship we thank you and we thank you for taking us up on that you're cut you're you're, you're this is my end job I've, I've been great at it use discount code triangle sq no see you messed me up <laughs> he messed me up i was on a roll use discount code sqrd at manscaped.com to save you 20 percent and get your free shipping and um yeah we also like to take a second to shout out our patreons who Make everything we do here possible. It helps pay for stuff on the set, like these RGB lights we got to get fixed because um, they're not working and they're off and they have been for three <laughs> weeks now. I just forgot to say something. So we need new RGB lights. So we thank you guys over on patreon.com slash Nartech for they're supporting unplugged. us over there. Well, it looks like you have to plug them in. Yep. That's the one I had to resolder, so I'm probably going to buy new ones. Just buy new ones. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, if you subscribe to us on patreon.com not only, or .com slash Nartech, not only do you support the show and you help buy stuff for our studio and stuff like that, but uh, it helps us with our uh, fees for all of our podcast services as well as uh, you are a $5 member for at least three months of our quarters. Then you will receive a PS1 custom case of your choosing, and there is a lot of those to choose from as well. But you get the coolest feature of being shout out at the end of every episode. Yeah. So we'd like to thank everybody for tuning into episode 198. This is Saul. This is Brett. And uh, thank you we'll guys on, for uh, making this wait, show happen. Episode 199. Dang. You're good. Don't worry about it. We'll see you guys back for hopefully a live stream of Bloodborne for episode 200. We will let you all know probably by midweek. So Bloodborne and pizza and hanging out. Yeah. And Blood- maybe user calls if we can get it to work correct. Bloodborne pizza and chill. Yes. Bloodborne pizza and chill. Okay. We're going to do some work this week, but shout out to our patrons who make this show happen. Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Pan. <laughs> My name is Pan. My name is Dan. <laughs> Love you, Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Vanny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Shabib, Jason Clendenning, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. And if you want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.